Hey, what's good, my amazing friends? This is Sarah Grace, and you are listening to The Remedy, The Remedy. What's going on? What's good, my amazing friends? What's good? Man, what is good? Well, it is uh, August, and I, I love summer, so I am just absolutely loving the weather. Um, I don't love that a lot of places, including where I am in Texas right now, is having kind of a drought. Boy, we need the rain. You know, I just, I am ready. The other day I was outside walking in our uh, property and um, walking in our garden and I was watering with our hose because um, we can only use the sprinkler system Uh, a very short amount of time once a week because of this drought. And so I'm watering with a hose. And oh, man, I was just uh, outside worshiping and asking the Lord to please bring the rain. You know what I mean? Like, man, we need rain, Lord. Gosh, this is crazy. Where we moved um, in Texas, Texas is a huge state, you guys. It's like, you know, five different states in one. You've got places that are desert and you've got places that are lush and you have, um, you know, beach towns and you have, you know, cattle ranches and all this stuff. And so uh, uh, people tend to have like a picture of what Texas is, but Texas is huge, you know, it is a big one. So anyway, it's kind of crazy because, um, you know, you can you can drive a few hours and have like totally different weather or or even just completely different topography. It's just kind of crazy. But anyway, um, this isn't an advertisement for Texas, but where we moved to has the same amount of rainfall or water. It falls from the sky as Portland, where we moved from. And, you know, everybody thinks of the Pacific Northwest as you know, this, you know, dripping umbrella, which it kind of is. Um, And on the days it doesn't rain, it's gray, except for the, you know, handful of days that it is sunny. Alternately, Texas is sunny a lot. And um, in fact, I believe we get 300 days of sun here, but we get the same average amount of rainfall um, as Portland. It just, you know, Texas just gets it like all in three days or whatever. I'm just kidding. But anyway, Um, this year though, I don't know what's going on. I have some theories, some conspiracy theories of why the weather all over the United States is being manipulated. Um, anyway, uh, I, or I mean why it's occurring, whoops, the conspiracy theory slipped out anyway, um, of why it's occurring. And, uh, no, I don't believe that it is what they, uh, are trying to shove down our throats, that it is this climate change. They've been trying that same lie to get money from people for a very long time. The climate is always changing, but but now we know that they have weather manipulating weapons and um, that they can weaponize weather. I mean, that's it's not even a conspiracy theory. There's literally patents for it in the United States. We have even CNN, you know, having headlines about China using weather modification on huge portions of their country, but uh, also have they been infiltrating the United States? Mm-hmm. And also, uh, has our weather been changing a lot? Mm-hmm. Okay, anyway, we already know that China is using weather manipulation. Even CNN, even CNN is admitting it. And so anyway, it ain't no uh, conspiracy theory, you guys. It is, but it is a conspiracy. <laughs> anyway, 
Uh, so I digress. This show is not about weather modification, but uh, it is dry as a cracker down here. And, uh, you know, so I'm out there watering and, you know, singing to the Lord and, you know, praising because, you know, I look to the hills from uh, where my hope comes from and my help comes from. And we live in the hill country of Texas. And so um, looking to the Lord, Jehovah Jireh, my provider. And as I was walking around the yard, you guys, and, and you know, singing praise songs out loud with my earbuds in, listening to praise and worship, and I'm thinking to, and then praying, you know, like, oh, Lord, please, you know, you are the giver of life and, um, you know, bring the rain and, and, you know, Lord, you know, please pour out onto your parched land and all this kind of stuff and walking around and I'm thinking, I wonder if my neighbors can hear me. And uh, I wonder if, uh, well, we're in Texas, so maybe they're praying along with me. I hope so. But <laughs> maybe they're thinking, that girl's crazy. She's out there singing and praying out loud. But you know, that's just how my life just, I'm constantly talking to God as if he were standing right with me and walking with me. You know, there's that old hymn like, and he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me I am his own. You know, asking. Anyway, that was my one of my grandmothers. That was her favorite song. She loved that song. Anyway, but that's how I live my life. I live my life in a mindset of mostly, you know, head in the clouds, but, you know, head in heaven thinking that as if God was walking with me and talking with me out in the garden and that, you know, he wants to have that relationship with me and that I have that relationship with him. And that's anyway, but that's what the word wants us to do. The Lord wants to have a relationship. He wants us to talk to him and to abide in him. And so as I was walking around the garden, I got kind of a what I call a spiritual download that it was like, yo, the dude abides. <laughs> the dude, the dudette abides, but I abide in God and I abide in his word. And, you know, and, and it's like, just, I'm, I meditate on the Lord in my life every day and every night, just, you know, all my thoughts are, are, you know, and I'm not doing this like in an oakley dokely Flanders kind of way. I'm just saying that when you love someone, you know, when a man loves a woman, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> when you love someone, you think about them all the time or often, even when you are apart, you think about them the other day. So um, in my husband's office, he has a couch. And sometimes I'll go and, you know, just sit on that couch and dink around on social media or whatever. He's working away, tippity tappity tippity tappity, you know, on his keyboard and, you know, taking calls from clients or whatever. And, you know, Eric, ha Eric hates to hear people chew anything, gum, food. He has this thing called misophonia where like the sound of chewing or clicking or rattling just really reverberates in his brain and it really irritates him. And so... Sometimes I'll go in there and, you know, I'm just sitting there or whatever, or like, I just want to be with him because he's working a lot. And so I'll sit there on the couch, you know, quietly while he's on the phone or whatever. But, you know, maybe there's a wrapper that gets opened or even just <laughs> the other day I was eating a plum 
And um, I, as I'm eating this plum, he's like, how can that plum be crunchy? How is that plum crunchy? Anyway, <laughs> but the other day I was gone. I was, I was uh, out at a, a meeting and um, Eric was home in his home office working, but I was gone. And, um, and he texts me and he was like, you know, I was just sitting in my office thinking, oh, I miss you. Even when you're in here being super annoying, I just miss you being around. And that's often what it's like, or at least that should be what it's like in any relationship. And so anyway, as I was watering my yard, I'm thinking, you know, the dude abides, you know, abide is an old English word. And that's how the translation from Greek became, you know, to abide in, in the scripture because of the, you know, King James old English. But anyway, it's kind of remained, but, you know, you can, you can translate abiding as, you know, to await or to remain or to lodge or, you know, to dwell in, you know, you're setting up camp, you're setting up shop with whatever, whatever it is, you're planting your flag, you're going to endure in this spot, right? You're not moving. The Hebrew and Greek originals most frequently use the word yeshabach, which means to dwell or to remain. Abide means to like sit and, and, you know, to kind of dig in, like I'm, I'm here, this is where I'm planting my flag. And the word tells us we are to abide in the word of God. We are to abide in Christ. We are to set up camp with Jesus. We are to dig into the Lord's word and to set our mind and our thoughts on the word of God. That is what we are, we are called to do. And the word of God is Jesus. And abiding in Jesus is abiding in the word of God. John chapter one says that in the beginning, the word already existed. The word was with God and the word was God, that God created everything through him and nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. I've heard many, many people say that, you know, Sarah, I believe in God. I totally do, but I don't read the Bible, you know. I don't go to church. The church is full of hypocrites, you know, and, you know, I don't need to study that man-made book, you know, about God to know Him. You know, I was raised, and this isn't a dig on Catholics, but I hear this a lot about people who were raised in the Catholic Church, just, I don't even own a Bible, but, you know, I kind of heard about stuff from this priest or whatever, so I know, I know the Bible, you know, or, you know, maybe I've been hurt by church, and so I'm not going to go to any church anymore, I don't need to, I'm just going to, you know, stay home and, and, uh, you know, I don't really, I don't really read the Bible and I don't really go to church. Uh, You know, and I get it. This world that we live in is fallible. And there are many representatives in the church that have done abuses in the name of God. And reading the Bible for yourself is often scary. And it's often, 
um, I don't know where to start. And so I'm just going to start at the beginning, but then you end up in Numbers or Leviticus and you're like, whoa, I don't understand this. This is crazy. And all these rules and laws. And I, I, I don't know, this is not really feeding me. So I'm just going to bounce and I'm not going to read the Bible anymore. And so you get people who, you know, maybe, maybe they haven't even gone that far. Maybe they just know that there is a God out there and, you know, they go hiking on Sunday morning or something and they're like, that's my church. You know, I, when I'm out in nature, I've heard this a ton. I mean, I'm from Oregon and Hawaii and Southern California, you know, like outdoor all the time. You hear from people like, I, when I'm in nature, I feel closest to God. Or if I'm looking at the night sky, you know, I, there I find God. And, you know, Psalms 19 verse 1 says that the heavens declare the glory of God and they proclaim his workmanship. So yeah, absolutely. When you're out in nature and you are looking at his creation and you are, you know, laying underneath the stars and, and you know, or, oh my gosh, look at that amazing sunset or whatever. That's God. Well, that is absolutely declaring that God is God, that, that you know, atheists have it wrong. There isn't a God out there. <laughs> wrong. The heavens every night, every morning, all day long, all night long declare that there is something so much greater and vast than you can possibly comprehend. Anyway, so the heavens, they are declaring the glory of God and, you know, showing you his workmanship. Stunning. I mean, absolutely things that, that we cannot possibly, you know, pull out of thin air and create. It's, it's mind-blowing. And, and we get to enjoy his splendor. And I get it. I mean, that's, that's a good point. But what they're, what they're getting is not the full story. They're getting the, the moment of, yes, there is a God. I see his handiwork. Perfect. Okay, got it. That's all I need. But really, all that means is that they know God as an acquaintance. Or maybe they don't even know God as an acquaintance. They're just looking at a photograph and saying, oh, yeah, I know that guy. But they've never actually had an encounter, a meet with the Lord. Look, you you can't have a relationship with someone that you don't pursue. God pursues us every day. You know in your heart, if, if you're not saved or if you are listening to this and you've walked away from the Lord, you know that there is a still small voice that is whispering, come back. Or you hear the knocking at the door of your heart. Jesus says that he stands at the door and he knocks and that any man who would hear his voice and, and uh, opens the door that he comes in and, you know, he will commune with him. And if you haven't done that yet, you can argue with me all day long, but I've heard it from so many, 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 many people, including my own self when I wasn't walking with the Lord, that that knocking on the door of your heart it's very real. You can shut it out. You can deny it, but I know it's happening. And uh, anyway, my advice to you right now would be to open the door and let the Lord come in and abide in Him. But you cannot have a relationship with someone. You can have an acquaintance or someone like, you know, now you're just somebody that I used to know. No, I'm kidding. Um, you just had like somebody that you don't know, but you've just seen their picture. But to have a relationship with someone, you also have to actively pursue them. And if you've chosen to not read the scriptures for yourself, 
to not dig in and get to know God's instruction for your life and who God is through the historical stories that are in the Bible and how, you know, God dealt with certain things and the heart of the Father and, you know, Yeshua in his life and the dealings with them. If you haven't dug into that to get to know him, how can you have a relationship with someone that you are not actively pursuing, you know? Well, the relationship that you have is with a God of your own making. I mean, I'm just being real. You think you know God, but but maybe you don't. You saw a picture and then you decided to paint this whole story in your mind and it, it, it isn't actually who God is. You And let me tell you, having that relationship with God, it's, it's everything. It is soul fulfilling. That empty spot in your soul, fill it with the relationship with Yahweh. Don't go for a counterfeit of making God in your own image. I mean, are, are you serving a fantasy God? If you're not actively pursuing who God really is or knowing who he is or the heart of the Father, then how are you supposed to know who God is? You don't. And so therefore you fill in the blanks with our own imagination, which is then again, making God in our own image. I've heard multiple times, well, you know, God wouldn't actually do that. I mean, there's that that silly saying that says, well, God wouldn't give you more than you can handle. I mean, that's not in the Bible at all. <laughs> and also, it's totally outside of who God actually is. Again, that is something that was made up by someone who had a made up version of God. Very oftentimes, our lives are absolutely filled with things that we cannot handle. They are far beyond our ability. And those are, I mean, we take it to God. We can't handle it. So we have to rely on God to get us through. Or another made-up saying that is often used for, by people who actually don't know God, who have made a God in their own image, is the saying, God helps those that help themselves. You know, when I was a teenager, I hadn't really dug into the Word of God for myself. I was just beginning my walk with the Lord. You know, God doesn't have grandchildren. Your parents can be Christians, or they cannot be Christians. It doesn't matter. When God calls you, the relationship between you and the Lord just involves you and the Lord. It doesn't matter that your parents were saved or not saved because you don't get to heaven riding on your parents' coattails. And so when I was a teenager, I gave my life to the Lord and I was I had a boyfriend at the time and he uh, also had recently given his life to the Lord. But somewhere in his, uh, you know, kind of spiritual travels, (laughs) he came across the saying, God helps those that help themselves. And he said, yeah, you know, I mean, it says that in the Bible. And I remember going to my dad and saying, hey, dad, which my dad was a pastor, if you guys didn't know. And I went to my dad and I said, hey, dad, who in the Bible said God helps those that help themselves? And my dad said, "Uh, Satan. (laughs) He said, first of all, that's not in the Bible because God helps those who can't help themselves. (laughs) That's the whole point of Jesus coming to the earth is that we couldn't save ourselves. And so the one who wants you to believe that, you know, you can help yourself, that you are the great I am and that 
you are God incarnate and that you have control over your life and your circumstances and that you are God. That's Satan, by the way, not God. And I know that I'm going to get a lot of people messaging me, maybe not a lot, maybe a few, not sure, but I know that I'll get messages of people saying, but Sarah, I've had experiences with God. I talk to God. I don't need that Bible stuff. Or, or people, like I said, who've, you know, well, I've read the Bible and it didn't really do it for me. Or like I was in Catholic school and they beat us with it. Not saying every Catholic school beats people with the Bible. Please don't. DM. Oh my God, she hates Catholics. That's not true. That's not true. <laughs> okay, that's not true. Anyway, but it's true that there are a lot of false representations of the Bible, false representations of teachers of the Bible, false representations of God out there. And it's no wonder that so many have chosen, you know, to abandon reading the Word of God for themselves or, you know, abandon church. I mean, church corruption isn't new. <laughs> I mean, and believe me, I get it. I really do. I have sadly been abused by corrupt church leaders a lot, very painfully, torn apart by church leaders who, you know, have left their first love on the outside. Whoa, they sound like they're preaching the gospel, but on the inside, on the inner sausage factory, you know, um, uh, the, the inside of a church is usually pretty messy, very messy, a lot like a sausage factory, and it's kind of gross. And I have been a part of several inner sanctums, you could say, of church. And it's pretty messy because we are people and people are messy. But there are many church leaders who have left their first love and instead replaced it with the love of money or the love of power or fame or whatever. Or maybe it was never their first love in the first place and they have been masquerading the whole time. I mean, there are some people who do want to be up on a stage talking just to hear themselves talk or whatever. But people have been using God to manipulate other humans, you know, for centuries, for millennia, maybe, really. They've learned that there's power in the gathering of the saints. It isn't just the power of standing on the stage, but, you know, the Bible tells us to not neglect the gathering together of the saints, because where two or more are gathered together in the name of Jesus, then the Almighty God is in our midst. That's powerful, powerful, powerful. There is incredible earth-moving power in the gathering together of people who are filled with the Holy Spirit. And there are selfish people, men and women, who have taken much advantage of, of that, of people's, you know, hearts that are softened, you know, with, you know, playing their sad violin and people throwing money and all this kind of stuff. I'm not saying don't give your money to a church at all, at all. I'm saying that be careful. Be careful of who you are um, giving your money to. There are people who are doing God's work, absolutely. And if you feel led in your heart to give to an organization or to someone or whatever to further the gospel, that's what your tithes are for, is for the furtherance of the gospel. And if somebody is doing that, um, then give to them. But if you have someone who is guilting you into giving your money, anyway, this show's not about tithing, but if someone's guilting you into giving your money or playing on your emotions, it happens. It happens. 
And, you know, you aren't at fault if you've fallen for that. They're at fault. They're the ones who will have to stand before the Lord for that. But anyway, I'm, I'm not really, I'm not into church bashing just for the sake of criticism. You know, my dad used to say, if you find the perfect church, don't go there because you'll mess it up. <laughs> and, you know, that's totally true. None of us are perfect. Pastors aren't perfect. You know, church staff aren't perfect. People screw up all the time. But yes, they should be held to a higher standard of living righteously. Absolutely. But I am not at all about the, uh, you know, this epidemic that has been of covering up of church's sin and pastors who have blown it and then, you know, trying to cover up for it. That's a big thing in church circles. And I, I am, I've re- I have received a lot of criticism for not falling for the, what I feel like is emotional manipulation to hide stuff that's going on in churches. Abusive pastors, they need to be gone. They don't need to be rehabbed and put back up. They need, they need to be done the end, because what they're doing is bringing shame to the gospel. What they're doing is like what many people that I've heard, I don't want to go to church because it's full of hypocrites. That's right. It totally is 100% full of hypocrites. You know, we're all hypocrites in some form or fashion. But when a church leader who is a representative of God harms someone, lies, you know, to them or whatever, um, or sexually abuses them. We see that a lot. We see a lot of sexual abuse in the church. You're done. I also see, you know, in church circles it being twisted, you know, and exploited, you know, the scriptures that say like, you know, to not not speak against one of God's anointed or you'll be cursed, you know, I mean, that gets thrown around a lot in the, the circles of, um, people who are trying to, you know, circle the wagons and cover up for some kind of moral uh, sin that some pastor has done. And uh, that's not what that scripture is about. And um, I am I am not here for that. But that being said, don't let that stop you from having a relationship with God. Or don't let that stop you from reading His Word and getting to know who he is. God isn't abusive. God doesn't condone that stuff. And church culture has done such a disservice. You know, maybe their intention was, oh, I don't want to, you know, harm the name of God. But to me, it is absolutely more harming by them covering up the sin (laughs) of the, you know, pastor or whatever. It just needs to like be like, nope, you blew it. You're out. Bye. Bye. You know, and then, yes, you know, people can be rehabbed, people, you know, their their um, hearts can be, you know, changed and, and molded and back to their first love. But, man, I see it all the time. In fact, there's a, a, a pastor that I talked to who was, um, and I'm, I'm not going to say his name, but, you know, it's out there, that he was had to step down from his church for sexual sin and drugs. And um, anyway... He went through all of the, you know, rehabbing and, you know, uh, repentance and all this stuff, and he was just busted again, um, you know, these years later. So, I don't know. I, 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 have a, I have a hard time with that. That's for a different show. But back to abiding <laughs> in Christ, it would do um, so much more if, if we kept the sanctity of the relationship 
with the Lord separate from the abuses of church leaders. And hey, you know what? Jesus himself, he didn't condone funky behavior by church leaders at all. In fact, he went over and, you know, with a whip and flipped tables in his father's house because people had turned it into, you know, a money laundering scheme, flipped tables over. I mean, he even called the Pharisees in the temple a brood of vipers. So Jesus is all about calling it out anyway. Uh, But I'm not about, you know, people who are criticizing how loud the music is or, you know, how your pastor dresses. That ain't it, people. Stop. That's, you know, being a pastor is hard. It's hard. It is a hard job. It is a hard, very thankless job. But anyway, if you're in church leadership and you see a pastor doing shady stuff, don't be bound by that mental slavery of not saying anything, man. (laughs) Anyway, back to the subject about abiding. How can you know God if you don't spend time with him in ways that, you know, he laid out for us to get to know him? How can you know that if you never read his ways, if you're not in the Bible, if you don't dig into his books of instruction, you know? There are a ton of spirits out there who would love nothing more than to lead you astray from the Almighty. I mean, there was an entire host of of heaven that was kicked out along with Lucifer, an entire host of heaven, like a, a huge amount of angels that, you know, We see scripture when angels show up that people, you know, bow down before them and they're like, no, 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 you know, I'm, I work for the man. I'm not the man. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not God, you know, don't worship me. But to us humans, they look like they're, you know, maybe some kind of gods, you know? And so um, be very careful that you're not, you know, cozying up to a counterfeit you know, like a spiritual catfish, if you will, catfishing. Do you know? uh, Anyway, have you ever watched that MTV show, Catfish? If you don't know what it is, then God bless you. But if you do, anyway, we don't have MTV at our house. We don't, we actually don't even have cable TV. But, um, you know, I've stayed in more than a few uh, hotels. And for some reason, man, that show sucks me in. I'll turn on the TV and just be like, oh, Catfish is on. And man, these poor people, they are so desperate for love, so desperate that they are easily led astray by someone that they think they know. I mean, they haven't actually met this person. And most of them have never seen this person on FaceTime. There's always some reason why they can't FaceTime. And they pour out, you know, their money into this. Well, you know, I don't I don't have a camera. So they'll send them a camera. They send them money. They send them whatever. And like these relationships, dude, they go on for like years and years. And these people like, they get so they fall in love with a fantasy, you know, I mean, and this person that they're absolutely in love with that they're engaged to, they're getting married to whatever, that it's all made up. And it's based on a fantasy that they've created in their mind, with the limited knowledge about this person that they have. I mean, I know that I'm not alone. If you've ever watched these shows, you know, I mean, I'm not alone with the fact that I'm yelling at the TV like, yo, they're totally fake. They're totally like this person totally does not. They're not the same person. No, don't send them money again. Oh, my God. How can you not see how fake they are? But dude, it is so easy to be catfished by a fake imposter if you've never taken the time to get to know the real thing. You won't know differently, right? (laughs) <laughs> you you won't know differently until you like have been led to a park 
in a town hundreds of miles away after spending all of your savings and then you find out it was nothing like you thought it was. You know, it was some, you know, 15 year old, you know, computer nerd who had been, you know, dinking around with your feelings all this whole time. Or it was, you know, some, you know, dude living in his mom's basement. You know, it it wasn't the, you know, muscle bound, uh, uh, you know, U.S. Marine that you'd been (laughs) messaging. It was, you know, some dude, you know, eating Takis living in his mom's basement who's been, you know, messing with you. And it's the same of if you are not seeking the Lord and you're not abiding in Him, you're not listening to uh, messages from good Bible teachers, you're not seeking out the truth for yourself, you're not reading the Word of God. I mean, you'll be easily led astray, you guys. And that reality of, of serving a fantasy God, that reality is going to come up and smack you real fast. Abiding in the Lord, in His Word... I mean, how do you know? I mean, Sarah, how do we know? How do we know who God is? Praying, speaking to God about every aspect of your life, looking to God for his leading, reading his word, knowing who Jesus is. He's the Savior. Believing who Jesus said he was. Well, who did Jesus say he was? Well, read the book of John. Read his scriptures. Genesis, Exodus, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, you know, the the first five books of the Bible, they're the books of law, you know, and then we've got, you know, and then it goes on, we've got 61 other books of, you know, total amazingness and, and, you know, and wait, there's more, you know, we've got the book of Enoch out there. That's an interesting read. Anyway, (laughs) there's, there's tons of information out there. There's messages and Hey, you're tuned into the remedy. <laughs> the remedy is God. You know, the remedy is the word of God. And, you know, like I was out in the garden speaking to God about every aspect of your life and looking for God's instruction and leading. You know, I mean, it's, you know, it is hard to get through the first five books. You know, they call it, you know, the Torah. It's the law, you know, but the law is pretty rad, actually. I love reading the book of Leviticus. I'm, you know, probably in a very small, you know, minority of Christians, although rabbis and Orthodox Jewish folks, they're, you know, reading those first five books of the law, you know, and there's that, uh, you know, Psalm chapter one, you know, I will delight in the law of the Lord, I will meditate day and night. Then like a tree firmly planted, I'll be grounded in your word. Blessed is the one who follows the way of the Lord. Blessed is the one, you know, uh, you know, that's, that's Psalm chapter one. And hey, what's up? There's, you know, 61 more books besides the law of the Lord. And they show us the heart of God and the heart behind the law that he laid down. And when you get to know the whole picture, the whole picture of God, it is so important because then you know who God is. Then you know his heart towards you and towards his people and not some twisted version that, you know, you had, you know, had made made up. Anyway, that's where f- finding a Bible teacher, God-fearing biblical church is so important. You know, I used to have a litmus test for vetting pastors, but now it's even easier to spot those who are not biblically sound, right? You know, if a church is into the Enneagram, bye. You know, they are not a spirit-filled, led church because they are not being led by the Holy Spirit. I mean, they might be spirit-led, but it ain't the Holy Spirit, I'm telling you. 
And um, if they're pushing the COVID agenda, bye, you know, uh, are they taking a seat and promoting non-biblical worldly pursuits like social justice? Are, are they going harder for culture than they are for Christ? Bounce. Like those are those are just really easy. But there are many pastors who are truly, truly going hard in the paint, um, you know, and they're really teaching the real deal. And, uh, you know, how will you know, uh, you know, if a teacher has gone astray, you know, by knowing and abiding in Christ yourself? If you're not abiding and meditating on the Word of God and staying plugged in to the open channels of communication, man, it'll be easy for you to be swayed. If you are not abiding, meditating on the Word of God, staying plugged in, that's, I mean, that is the way, you guys. And not only that, but the fruit of your tree, it'll begin to be the fragrance of the Lord if you are abiding in Him. John chapter 15, Jesus says, To abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. So neither you, unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches, and he who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you cannot do anything. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch that dries up. Have you seen the movie The Big Lebowski? There's no way I can, you know, have a show about abiding and not, you know, tip my hat to Jeff Bridges and John Goodman, you know, uh, like, hey, the dude abides, you know what I'm saying? If you haven't seen it, I'm not promoting the movie, but the main character, Jeff Bridges, he's the dude and he lives like a chill life, but gets wrapped up in this like stressful, you know, crime scenario. But he's just an incredibly laid back man. And his, his whole philosophy is just to, you know, abide. The dude abide means that the dude like always is living in like a total state of dudeness, you know, and he doesn't worry about anything. He just accepts life for what it is. One of the dude's friends says to him, like, take it easy, dude. And he like, I know you will because they know that he abides in his dudeness because the fruit of his life is this totally chill dudeness, right? And I want us, you guys, to abide in Christ. And like Jesus said, if we abide in Him, the fruit in our life will be the fruit of our relationship with Him. Like Jesus said, if we're not actively abiding in Him and Him in us, like a branch, we won't be connected to the vine and you're going to wither up and dry. Don't be a catfished Christian, you guys following a fake, woke Jesus. Get to know the real deal. Now is the time, you guys. Jesus is coming back. This world is a mess. Do not follow a fake, made-up Jesus. You want your life to be when you stand before the throne of God, which will be happening sooner than you think. You want your life to have been lived in the way that God has instructed. This week, you guys, I want to challenge you to read your Bibles for yourself. If you're listening to this and you do not have a Bible, send me your address and I will gladly mail you one. My email is asksarahgrace at gmail.com. That's asksarah with an H on the end, grace, at gmail.com. If you're in a biblical reading plan, don't neglect it. If not, if you're not, and you don't know where to start, Sarah, where do I even start? Open your Bible and pull up John chapter 1. 
You can even go to any search engine. If you don't have a Bible, you don't have to wait for me to mail you one. You can go to your computer. You can open up your search engine. You can type in John chapter one. Start there. Or you can even go to Proverbs, the book of Proverbs. There are 31 Proverbs. Start reading the one that correlates with the day of the month that you're on. There's so much wisdom that is contained in this book. Everything, it's the remedy for everything in this life, you guys. The Word of God. Abide in Him and He in you, and you are going to bear much fruit. Stay in the Word, you guys. Stay abiding in Him. My friend, the dude abides. (laughs) I love you guys. And until next week, peace. Peace.